the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good for Ted Cruz. Here's what Ted tweeted a little while ago. Quote, Today my colleagues and I reintroduced a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress. The amendment would limit U.S. Senators to two six-year terms and members of the U.S. House of Representatives to three two-year terms. Imagine that. Nancy Pelosi would have been gone 30 years ago. Uh, Maybe longer. Uh, Mitch McConnell would have been gone 20 years or so. Adam Schiff would be out of time. Uh, For a long time, I was one of those guys who said that uh, there already are term limits called voting. I was one of those guys. Um, But I've changed my mind. I don't know about you. It seems to me that we have uh, developed over the past several years a lot of walking advertisements for term limits, actually. Nancy Pelosi Pelosi being a prime example of that, and with Mitch, I guess, right behind it. The good reason for putting this on members of the House and Senate, but they probably never imagined anybody wanting to be there for 35. I don't think they ever imagined anybody wanting to do that. It was never really intended to be a lifetime job. Diane Feinstein is still there. She's in her late 80s. Should have been gone 20 years ago. And there are plenty of Republicans who have overstayed their welcome, too. Uh, of course, there's very little chance of uh, this ever happening, the term limits idea. Three-fourths of the states would have to ratify it within seven years, but I guess you've got to start somewhere. It'll be interesting to see how many current members of Congress sign on to the idea. Uh, who could possibly be against Sandy Cortez uh, only having four more years left before she has to find something else to do. She'd probably run for the Senate, and the people up there in New York are probably stupid enough to elect her. But anyway, she'd be out of Congress, out, out of the House of Representatives. Uh, and you know who else other than Sandy Cortez would, uh, wouldn't want to see her gone? But anyway, Mike Braun and Todd Young of Indiana signed up. Uh, they're senators. So did uh, Marco Rubio and Rick Scott of Florida. And Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania is on uh, board with the idea. He's uh, on his way out already, of course. This is the third time since 2017 that uh, Ted Cruz has tried this. And uh, it's that, that, that should give you an idea of what kind of reception it's gotten. So it, it just the, the, the idea that it's going to happen is pretty far-fetched. But it, 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 it uh, would be nice if the media would get behind it and start asking members of the House and Senate how they feel about it, you know, just to have them on the record. I'd love to see or hear Nancy Pelosi tell us why it wouldn't be a good idea. I'd love to hear people like her justifying themselves staying around for so long uh, by humbly saying that they, you know, they, they did it for the their love of country. How about just getting out of town for the love of the country? Um Anyway, speaking of uh, uh, good ideas, uh, that's what canceling the Keystone Pipeline and allowing people with gender dysphoria in the military are not. They're not good ideas. And when we come back, we're going to talk to a former lieutenant general in the Army about the transgender issue. And then at 5.30, we're going to talk to the president of the Heartland Institute about the pipeline. Stick around. trading results do not guarantee future performance. The new year is here, and the time is now to capitalize on the tech boom in the U.S. markets. The red-hot e-commerce payment sector is on fire with no signs of slowing down. Text the word HOT to 48542. Here's just one example of what you can get with the up-to-minute research from Avid Market Readers. According to Allied Market Research, mobile payments are on track to exceed $12 trillion. 
And Avid has identified one of the hottest companies in North America that is poised to dominate the mobile payment and e-commerce sector in 2021. Text the word HOT to 48542 to get your free subscription to Avid Market Readers. We deliver the data directly to your mobile device so you can make decisions as market conditions change. If you're interested in our hit list of the hottest stocks to look at in 2021, then text the word HOT to 48542. Set your investment research strategy to hyper-growth mode now with our information delivery system from Avid Market Readers. Text HOT to 48542 now and don't get left behind in 2021. Text HOT to 48542. Wow. I think we can all agree that a lot went wrong in 2020. But you can start 2021 off right with a resolution to help protect your identity and personal info using LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. The sad truth is, one in five people have been a victim of identity theft. But LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And they see more than you can when you just monitor your credit. Like your info for sale on the dark web. And if there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that helps you protect what you've worked so hard for. Get 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. That's promo code SMART for up to 25% off at LifeLock.com. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and a $10 coupon using code PETS. Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis Genesis 950.com. Genesis 950. Much cheaper than replacing your carpets. As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work, don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents. Send them packing the most humane way with plug-in pest-free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-free, the electromagnetic device that utilises the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away. 100% chemical free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, a big guy has to have writer's uh, cramp from signing a record number of executive orders in the first week on the job. One of them was the cancellation of the Keystone XL Pipeline. Uh, James Taylor is the president of the Heartland Institute, and he joins us now. James, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So um, uh, the, the president, uh, President Biden, did what he promised he would do. So now what? Well, what President Biden is doing is he's basically shipping all of our jobs to China, and making Americans poor in the process. It's, it's just unbelievable that we fought for many years, indeed decades, to become the energy-dominant power in the world. And as soon as that happens, Joe Biden says, no, we don't want this, let's just send it all away. It's uh, very troubling for our nation. And this is obviously something to make the insane environment environmentalists um, who voted for him happy, but will it do anything to save the planet? Absolutely not. In that's fact, the idea. If you do, 
Yeah, if you believe in a climate crisis, this is actually counterproductive because the Keystone Pipeline would allow the transport of oil without having to put the oil on ships, without having to put the oil on trains, without having to put the oil on trucks. So the it's more of a temper tantrum saying we just don't like oil and we're going to do everything we can to just poke a nose in your poke a stick in your eye. But in reality what's going to happen that oil is still going to be sold. Canada's not just going to sit on it. But what they're going to do now is they're going to ship it overseas on ships to China, which will create carbon dioxide emissions and transport, or they will uh, transport it on via rail or truck to Louisiana, where the pipeline was going, and we're just going to have more carbon dioxide emissions in the process. This is uh, one of the rare examples, I think, when when um, when you know you hear that uh, a government action is going to either create or cost jobs, and they they scream about that back and forth a lot in Washington. But there are people who have come right out like instantly after the uh, the, the order was uh, made to shut it down that thousands of people just lost their jobs uh, out there in uh, Nebraska and in the area where the, where the pipeline was supposed to go. They've been on television talking about it. Hey, I'm out of a job. I'm done. So, I mean, th- th- yeah. this is one time when you really see the results right away. Right, and folks on the left try to say, well, this, these are construction jobs. That means they're short-term jobs. They don't last forever. Hey, we're in the middle of government shutdowns responding to a pandemic where we need these jobs more than mo- just about any time uh, you know, in recent decades. So even if they want to say that, well, some of these jobs won't be permanent jobs, people need to work right now. This is when we need them, and, and they're there at the best possible time. It's easy to say a job is temporary. Don't worry about it when it's not your job that's uh, being eliminated. Ah, Don't worry about it. You know, you were going to lose your job anyway. Why, you know, keep your mouth shut. It's it's unbelievable. Absolutely. Um, Didn't the Obama administration... Go ahead. Yeah, well, and there are also so many unseen jobs that will be lost by virtue of the fact that canceling the Keystone Pipeline means that you are raising... We're going to be seeing higher gasoline prices, higher oil prices, higher energy prices. When you increase the cost of transport, you increase the cost of the final product. And that means American households throughout the country are going to be spending more on their energy bills than would otherwise be the case. And that means money that right now we spend on goods and services that bring us enjoyment and create jobs in the industries from which we're purchasing goods and services. Not only will we no longer get the benefit of those goods and services, but jobs will be lost throughout the economy because people will be spending, they'll have less money available to spend on these goods and services. Those are the hidden jobs outside the Keystone construction jobs themselves. Yeah, it's funny, James. Um, you know, uh, it used to, I seem to remember that uh, it used to be that the price of a gallon of gas was a pretty big issue for politicians, uh, even for presidents, even though the, I don't know how much they had to do with it anyway, but um, but for some reason, when Donald Trump was president and the gas prices, uh, I'm, least, I'm speaking for here in western Pennsylvania anyway, uh, between 250 and uh, 275 a gallon has been the last few years. Uh, for some reason, the media don't seem to talk about it all that much anymore. It's not, it's not a, it wasn't a problem. It was, and, and nobody was given, uh, Donald Trump wasn't given any credit for it. Now, when the gas prices go up, who's going to be blamed for it? I, I, I have a feeling it's not going to be Joe Biden. <laughs> You're right about that. They'll find all sorts of reasons uh, to blame Donald Trump. And then on top of that, they'll say the gasoline prices should be high. Uh, folks on the left have always rooted for higher gasoline prices because that will uh, reduce somewhat the amount of driving people do. If it's so expensive that people simply can't go anywhere, well, then we have fewer carbon dioxide emissions. They're willing to sacrifice our American way of life, American mobility, American freedom so that we can save a few carbon dioxide emissions when, by the way, if you are worried about a carbon or about a global warming crisis, the United States has reduced emissions this century more than any other nation in the world. So we don't need to go through all these histrionics, job losses, higher energy prices, less mobility to reduce carbon dioxide emissions. We're already doing that. Didn't the Obama administration say that the pipeline was not bad for the environment a couple of times? Absolutely. The uh, the State Department 
is the entity that reviews the pipeline. If it weren't for the fact that the Keystone Pipeline crosses the Canadian-American border, there'd be nothing the executive branch could do to stop it. But because it crosses the border, theoretically, it's a national security issue. Therefore, the State Department can get involved and, and use all sorts of uh, equations to, to judge it. But even the State Department, under John Kerry, who is a global warming warrior on par with Al Gore, even under John Kerry, they said, this is not going to have any significant impact on carbon dioxide emissions. And as I explained earlier, it's actually going to increase emissions. This is simply people who hate oil, who hate coal, who hate natural gas, who hate conventional energy, that even if it is a self-defeating action, they will still block the Keystone Pipeline just out of anger, out of hate, and out of vitriol. It's one thing for those people to be stupid enough to do that, but a president to sign off on it and and actually make it happen. It's 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 pretty pretty uh, startling, really, that, that that can be done that easily. Yeah, well, it tells it tells you who runs the party, and it's not Joe Biden, or either that or Joe Biden has had a a massive conversion to the far left wing of the party, and therefore uh, we should not be told the lie that it, this is moderate Joe, this is working man Joe, this is Scranton Joe, this is now Berkeley Joe. <laughs> James Taylor is the president of the Heartland Institute, uh, joining us now. Um, so, uh, and there are thousands of uh, uh, miles of pipeline, just like the the uh, Keystone Pipeline, already in the United States. Absolutely, and that undermines uh, one of the arguments that was made before. Uh, the assertion was, "Well, we can't have this pipeline because there might be pipeline leaks, and it'll harm the environment." We already have thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles of pipeline in this country. And yeah, occasionally uh, the, uh, there's a leak. Very rarely there is something that is a significant leak. Compare that, though, to the risk when you have had, uh, you've had occasionally, you've had train derailments where you have massive spills of oil, including uh, dangerous situations and deaths that result. Um, that, you know, if, if you're talking a safety issue or you're talking environmental consequences of a leak, there are many more environmental consequences from emissions from trucks, emissions from ships, emissions from rail cars shipping this oil than there is from the pipeline. It's one thing to hear uh, crazy people like Sandy Cortez talk about eliminating fossil fuels when they're out there making noise, but uh, they're in power now. I mean, you know, she was. it's one thing to hear these people chirping about it, but now they've taken over, and um, they have all three uh, branches, as everybody knows. How, how much can they get away with in the next two years? How can they be stopped? Well, well, hopefully, hopefully not much, and, and hopefully uh, we'll have a nice turnaround. And the irony is uh, her crazy socialist energy policies are so bad that in, her, in Venezuela, when her heroes, Hugo Chavez and uh, Maduro, uh, tried to produce more oil, and, and have the, uh, the oil economy uh, save uh, a tanking economy, uh, they, destroyed the oil, they destroyed the oil economy even when they were trying to save it. So any way you cut it, whether it's by design or by uh, unfortunate happenstance, these policies that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is pushing will destroy energy production in this country as we know it, and that is a shame. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I heard uh, Joe Biden uh, bragging about his uh, plan to make the entire fleet of uh, federal vehicles electric. But I don't know what year he picked. You know, these people pick a year out of the sky or out of somewhere else, and they, they throw it out there that it's going to be done as though it's just, you know, they, they, they say it, and so it will come to pass. But that's his dream is to have all the cars in the um, – in the federal uh, fleet of vehicles be electric? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, because Joe Biden has uh, a goal of taking us off of uh, conventional energy by 2035, as far as our electricity goes. And two scientists at Harvard University who are looking for ways to avert a climate crisis, they're on the other side of the issue. Nevertheless, they looked at uh, our energy grid, and they said, how many wind turbines will we need to put in place to replace current conventional electricity? They found that we would have to cover one-third of the American landmass with wind turbines to replace conventional electricity. And if we have electrified transportation vehicles, now we're talking one-half. If you want to talk about devastating environmental consequences, develop fully one-half of America's landmass with industrial wind turbines. Level the forests. 
uh, put the put the wind turbines throughout the Great Plains, pollute uh, mountaintop ridges with these monstrosities, take away the beauty of our coastal shorelines. That would be the most devastating environmental harm in the history of the planet Earth. And that is what Joe Biden will do by design because he says we need to reduce carbon dioxide emissions more than we already are. And that's like the uh, might be the ultimate not in my backyard issue, too, because uh, those windmills seem like a really good idea until they start showing up uh, within uh, uh, your um, eye, eyesight, you know, within your on your horizon or in your backyard. Uh, we have property uh, up in Canada, and they they're big on uh, the windmills up there, and they've put a few of them up, and uh, they've already ruined the view of the lake, and it's uh, and they've just started. They're unbelievably ugly when they're looming over the top of your house, and that people and people talk about it, but they not that many people live near them yet. They wait till they wait till they're exposed to them. Right. When you see a wind turbine here, a wind turbine there, it's kind of cute. But yeah. here at the Heartland Institute, we're in Chicago. We have a very large wind turbine field in northwest Indiana nearby and another one about 50 miles west of Chicago. And let me tell you, when you're driving through the endless turbines, you you lose the bucolic beauty of rural America. And worse yet... These create no-fly zones for birds and bats. They don't realize that these death traps are there. They fly mm-hmm. in, they get killed in mid-flight, and then it creates problems because you have infestations of mice and rats, and also for your crops, you're not having the birds and bats keeping the insects in line. So it creates all sorts of problems environmentally, it creates all sorts of problems aesthetically, and it creates all sorts of problems uh, for for crops and agricultural production. Again, these things are terrible for the environment, and yet the climate activists have misled much of the American populace into believing that the only environmental that, issue that matters is carbon dioxide emissions, and that is a yeah. shame. It's interesting. Um, I, was, I was just walking with my wife the other day in, a, in an older neighborhood. It's a real nice uh, upper-class uh, neighborhood near where I live, but it's old. And the streets have telephone poles and wires. And I live in a neighborhood that uh, was built more recently, and all the wires are underground. Just imagine how people would feel if telephone wires and telephone poles didn't exist until now, and all of a sudden they had to add that to the landscape everywhere in order to get electricity. That, that's, to me, that's, that's kind of what the what the, uh, the wind turbines are like. They're just beyond hideous. Yeah, and, and your observation calls to mind yet another environmental problem unique to wind power and solar power. When we have conventional power plants in place, basically they're placed in or near cities where the power is needed, so you don't need long transmission lines to get the power to where it's needed. But mm-hmm. for wind turbines, for solar panels, by and large, the best place to produce uh, wind power, for example, is out in the open plains or on mountaintop ridges, and it requires thousands of miles at times of transmission lines to get the power from those places to the cities where they're needed. And that, again, requires not only developing lots of lands, but, again, uglifying the previously undeveloped, beautiful American landscape. And that seems like uh, 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 not such a good idea compared to a pipe. Uh, a pipe seems a little bit... I like uh, more appealing than that to me. <laughs> Absolutely, and we can uh, we can segue a little bit to another issue. When you hear people, the environmental activists that sometimes oppose the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, it's because uh, well, just a little bit of land development is so bad for nature, and the land is so beautiful you can't despoil it. And yet, wind turbine solar panels multiply uh, the environmental footprint of Anwar oil production by about ten thousand. And that's what you get with Joe Biden's uh, energy plan. Um, finishing up here with James Taylor, he's the president of the Heartland Institute. Uh, so how long will it take for Biden and the Democrats to eliminate our uh, energy independence if they haven't uh, done it already? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, the goal, uh, according to Biden, is net zero carbon dioxide emissions by 2035 if we start getting anywhere, not even near that number, but if we start getting to 30, 35 percent, what we have now is a substantial percentage 
of our energy is now dependent upon Chinese rare earth minerals that are absolutely essential for the production of wind turbines and solar panels. And of course, the higher we get, the more we are at the mercy of Chinese energy blackmail. Anytime we have a dispute, anytime uh, that, that, that we would have a legitimate reason uh, to take up issue with China, they say, all right, we're cutting off your rare earth minerals. You will never be able to build any more power infrastructure in your country. Enjoy yourselves in the cold and the dark. That's what we're setting ourselves up for long before we get to 100%. And that 100% goal is just 15 years from now. That's going to come up on us very quickly. James, I'm out of time. Speaking of coming up on us quickly, uh, I appreciate you coming on as always. Hey, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Okay, that's James Taylor, president of the Heartland Institute. We'll be back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Senate has rejected a Republican attempt to dismiss former President Trump's second impeachment trial, a vote that allows the case on incitement of insurrection to move forward, but also foreshadows that there may not be enough votes to convict him. President Biden has had his first phone call with Vladimir Putin, raising his concerns about the arrest of opposition figure Alexei Navalny. In that call today, he also pressed the Russian leader on his nation's involvement in a massive cyber espionage campaign and reports of bounties on American troops in Afghanistan. And in California, business owners are hailing Governor Gavin Newsom's decision to lift stay-at-home orders across the state in response to improving coronavirus conditions. Stocks finishing mixed, the Dow fell 23 points, the Nasdaq lost 10, and the S&P 500 dropped 5. This is SRN News. Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Buonasera. Buonasera. How can I make the most of waiting for my next big vacation? Translate your questions into goals by investing with Merrill Edge Self-Directed. It's more accessible than you think, with helpful planning tools plus free online stock and ETF trades, so you can keep practicing your pronunciation. Merrill, a Bank of America company. Visit MerrillEdge.com slash within reach to get started today. Investing involves risk. Merrill Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith Incorporated. Registered broker-dealer members, IPC, other fees may apply. Investment products are not FDIC insured or not bank guaranteed and may lose value. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. No one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-936-5496. 1-800-936-5496. AM 1250, The Answer. Larry Elder. Senator Amy Klobuchar said President Trump, quote, sent an angry mob down to the mall to invade the Capitol, end quote. By saying peacefully and patriotically, make your voices heard, is sending an angry mob to the mall? Then what do you call Maxine Waters, who said, form a crowd, let Trump cabinet members know they're not welcome anywhere anymore. On the next Larry Elder Show. The Larry Elder Show, weeknights at 7 on AM 1250. The answer. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial, aluminum, wood, and composite. And to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this show. Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's Windows R Us. Pittsburgh.com. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. 
My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. WPGP Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Seeing some minor congestion on the outbound Parkway East up to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. On the inbound side, slowing as you make your way toward the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West, a little bit busy as well on the inbound side, Banksville Road to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. McKees Rocks Road, Kennedy Area is blocked with construction between Heckle Road and Middletown Road. Landslide repair continues on southbound 51, taking out the right lane between Franklin Avenue and Ambridge Aliquippa Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Tonight we'll see considerable cloudiness. Expect a shower in spots this evening, followed by a flurry late, the low 28. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy and breezy with a flurry. Tomorrow's high, 31. Tomorrow night, considerable cloudiness with a couple of flurries, the low 22. Thursday, a stray flurry, cloudy skies in the morning with times of clouds and sun in the afternoon. We'll see a high of 25. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Now, a stroke of the big guy's pen is affecting lots of people in lots of ways. Women who play sports are more likely to be competing against men. And the people who are trying to maintain the military have a new problem, dealing with the transgender issue. Thomas Spohr is a retired Army Lieutenant General, and he's director of the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. He joins us now. Tom, thanks for being here. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. So uh, President Trump uh, revoked an order from President Obama on this issue, and uh, President Biden just reinstated it. So what is the policy now? I mean, how has it changed? Now it's really, yeah. Uh, President Trump had put in kind of a, a nuanced policy that said transgender individuals can enlist as long as they're free with a condition, free from a condition called gender dysphoria, which is a psychological condition which, which results from being an incongruence between your gender identity and your biological sex. Um, he found that that uh, gender dysphoria caused a lot of problems in terms of suicide and anxiety. Uh, President Biden, I guess on his fifth day of office, uh, signed an executive order which did away with all that and essentially allows unrestricted, unqualified service by all individuals that are transgender, and additionally provides that the military has to provide a process, if you will, to allow people to transition uh, even while they're in the service. Yeah, and uh, gender dysphoria is, and we've had a lot of discussions on this show about it, gender dysphoria is the, is the condition that uh, is, leads to transgender, uh, uh, trying to change your gender or live, live as another gender, but uh, the way it's defined for the military here, where it was defined, is that when that condition itself uh, creates a mental state that makes you un- incapable of dealing with the military. I mean, um, I, I, I was a little confused because how do you become transgender if you haven't at some point had gender dysphoria? I know you're not a doctor or a psychiatrist, but that was kind yeah. of confusing to me. Well, I mean, the deal it is, and so if you are transgender and you have, let's say you have successfully transitioned uh, mentally and everything into this new gender, it causes you no discomfort, no anxiety. You're essentially transgender but free from this dysphoria thing. But if you're in a state uh, where this conflict, this inner conflict is causing you psychological anxiety and distress, you're considered having gender dysphoria and you're more susceptible, I think, to mental injury and uh, attempting suicide and those types of things. Yeah, I think it's ten times more likely to commit suicide uh, than a uh, a, um, a non-gender dysphoria person in the military. That's yeah, uh, you're, and, and yeah, you're exactly yeah. And that's not something that uh, you need to be dealing with. I mean, this wouldn't seem like a policy that you would want to change every time you get a new president either. Uh, you know, I mean. 
There's people in the military now who, who came in when one policy was in effect, and now that's been changed overnight. No, you're, you're exactly right, John. And what you know struck me is that this previous policy, the one that President Trump put in effect, was uh, came up with by uh, Secretary of Defense James Mattis, and he looked at this for like six, seven, eight months, had medical experts, service leaders come in and give all kinds of evidence and things like that, and in the end came up with the policy we had. President Biden came in and five days later uh, threw out that policy. And so I'm worried that we have not had any consideration of the downsides of this and what this new policy will do for the readiness of the armed forces. And transgenders were never really banned by uh, President Trump. The media like to say that they were because they like to paint him as homophobic, transphobic, and every other kind of phobic. But he never really banned transgenders, did he? No, I mean, in fact, so for decades prior to the year 2016, transgender individuals could not come in into the military at all. And so 2016, President Obama's SECDEF, a guy named Ashton Carter, changed the policy. But the new policy allowed service by transgender individuals as long as they didn't suffer from gender dysphoria. So in fact, President Trump's policy was much more permissive than decades of previous Department of Defense policy, but it's been portrayed as a transgender ban incorrectly, in my view. Well, somebody uh, tweeted yesterday, uh, if I can get it here, I found it on the, I, I had it on the show last night, someone named Ashley St. Clair, who's out there, I don't know what she does, but this is her tweet, it says, want to join the military, but, colon, smoked a little weed, dealt with depression, had gastrointestinal bypass surgery, too bad, disqualified. An uncontrollable urge to mutilate your genitals because you feel trapped in the wrong body? Step right up to the front lines. This, I mean, she's trying to be funny there, but is she very far off the mark? No, I'm afraid not. I mean, it's, it's funny because any other, I mean, there's like thousands of medical conditions which will allow you, you know, will allow you, can't allow you to join the military. Asthma, severe anxiety, mm -hmm. depression, and this is this was just one of these metal, many conditions that we had put in place that the military didn't harm people and and people were able to serve, and that's all been thrown out at the streak of a pen. And so, I mean, what, what's next? I would ask. I mean, are we going to allow people that are like she says, you know, have these medical situations that now the military is just going to have to deal with in the ranks? We're talking to Tom Spore. He's a retired Army Lieutenant General and Director of the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. So you were uh, in the service, and you were an officer. And um, uh, did you have to deal with this um, uh, situation at all or much when, when you were an active, uh, active military? I did not. I mean, I really had no sense that there were individuals that were transgender in the military. If they were, they weren't not obvious to me. And so it was not an issue. I mean, the military went through some issues. I mean, I was in during this whole, uh, don't ask, don't tell thing. Um, but this never came up as an issue. And, um, I think it's unfortunate the way it's playing out now. Well, how was a commander expected to deal with someone in, uh, under his command who, who's going through gender dysphoria? What, what, what's the, what are you, how are you supposed to deal with that? Well, I mean, that's just it. I mean, you're, you're going to, what you're going to be dealing with, there are a bunch of absences by this service member. And so, you know, in order to deal with gender dysphoria, the military has found that individuals that suffer from it are nine times more likely to need uh, mental health appointments. And so you're going to have a guy that you may be depending on this guy on a daily basis, and he's not going to be there. He's going to be off at the hospital or the clinic, or he's going to be getting surgery, or he's going to have to go to the pharmacy and when you need this person they're not going to be there and, and so that burden will fall on his fellow his or her fellow service members <laughs> i remember when guys were disqualified for having flat feet i don't yeah. even know what that is are you still disqualified <laughs> for that now yeah yeah i mean it's you know no arches in your feet makes you you can't walk as far and so it's less stable yeah. feet and so there's thousands of things like that which disqualify you, and, yeah. and this just got dropped. That just popped into my head. That's from uh, that was that was rattling around in my brain from a long time ago. Flat. <laughs> oh yeah, he got yeah. he got the furry as flat feet. Um, right. So 
The new order would also allow biological males uh, to dress and shower with females, I guess. Uh, what could go wrong there, Tom? <laughs> well, I mean, that's just it. And so uh, this, these problems, these kinds of issues are, you know, now just kind of um, put upon the military to solve. And there's, there's all kinds of things like physical fitness testing, where uh, people sleep, where they go to the bathroom, um, all these types of things that now military commanders are going to have to deal with. Uh, in the, with the stroke of a pen, as you say, uh, this just became their problem. Yeah, but um, I mean, if, if you're if, if you're a recruiter, you, you're trying to get your job is to recruit, get people into the military, um, and if you see if you're dealing with a uh, a person who is a uh, biological male who is enlisting and wants to enlist as a female. Is that even possible? Do they? Are you, can you do that? I mean, if you're a biological oh, yeah, male and you say your name's Sally and you want to you you want to be in the in the army, they take you. Well, they wouldn't have taken you last week, but based on this new executive order, that not only can take you but have to take you. This cannot be a factor now in the decision. And so, you know, I don't exactly know the terms of address or uh, you know, but but now that. That is what the law of the land will say. Now, the, I, I didn't serve in the military, but I, I'm trying to picture what it would be like in boot camp uh, if one of the people that you had in camp was a, well, let's just say it's a female, a biological female who is uh, identifying as a man, and uh, this person um, still looks like a female and is involved in boot camp and all the things that go on there, and you're... You're you're sharing bathrooms and showers and all that. How often will a, will accommodations be made for that, or does she just walk around naked with everybody else? I mean, it, I, how do they do it? I know. Well, I mean, so this is you know, the this new executive order that the president signed that tells the military you've got sixty days to come back to them and tell them how you're going to do all these things. And so each one of these things that you brought up, each one of these little complications. Um, is going to require a special accommodation, if you will. So maybe a, a third kind of bathroom or a third kind of housing area or, or situation or a different kind of tent. Um, you know, the, the permutations of this are uh, almost infinite. And military commanders out on the ground who are already got their hands feel, full, uh, this is just another thing they're going to need to deal with now. As a former officer... Can you picture yourself dealing with it? Well, I managed. Uh, I commanded a uh, an army basic training unit, and so I, you know the army, like the other services, will get the job done. We always have, we always will, and so mm -hmm. uh, commanders on the ground will deal with things. But it's just another thing that they probably ought not to have had to deal with. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the idea is to um, protect the country and. Um, you know, blow things up and kill people. That, that's what the that's what the military does. Uh, that this doesn't seem to be something that is. Who needs this aggravation? I mean, are there actually people in the military and the command who are okay with this? Is there how much pushback is there? Yeah, so that that would be a difficult thing to figure out because you know the military is a loyal organization. They do what they're told. You won't find any discordant voices saying, hey, this ain't right or something like that. When they get an order from the commander-in-chief, um, everybody gets behind it and does their best to execute it. And so you're not going to... That won't that won't be something you will hear about because people will do their best to make things happen. Yeah. Uh, the the, the um, I mean, we have a civilian in charge of the military as commander-in-chief. That's the way it works. But it's also someone who um, has not ever, he hasn't been in the military. He's like me. He, was, he never served. Um, who, who's advising him and letting him, I mean, shouldn't there be people around the commander in chief who should say to him, uh, sir, uh, you know, I know this seems like a good idea, but we're not, we're not into the social engineering business. I, I can speak from experience. Uh, this, this is not a good idea. It was, it's not, not good. Yeah. We shouldn't do it. Yeah. And that's, that's troubling, and you can look back and you've seen presidents seek the advice of their senior military leaders on things that happened during this whole 
period of uh, reverting to don't ask, don't tell and changes in that policy. And even President Trump did, Trump did this. He didn't unilaterally change the policy. He asked Secretary of Defense James Mattis, hey, take a look at this, take some time, study this problem, come back to me. And that's what Mattis did. In this case, though, in the case of this recent executive order, it was presumably ready to go the day President Biden was inaugurated, uh, but they waited at least until Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, the new SecDef, was put in place. But, I mean, it, it was five days after inauguration. They have a new policy without any time for consultation or discussion on the on the ramifications. And the Secretary of Defense is former military, and he said, uh, if you can serve, you can serve. He, he's, he's on board with it. Yeah, so he's, he's in a tough he spot. He's, yeah, he knows, he knows how tough uh, combat and things like that. He's a combat leader. He was not given any, you know, a voice in this matter. He was essentially given enough time to find his office. He got he got to the Pentagon the first time this this weekend, and then Monday this policy came out. Well, if you're if, if you are in the military, if you if you were active, uh, and something like this happens, and you, you are asked about it by someone in the media, I don't know if you've even talked to the media in a situation like that, but if someone asks you about it. Is your answer is I just uh, do what they I'm told I'm I'm a uh, the commander in chief uh, you know I I serve at his command. That, that's essentially about it. Unless you're unless you don't uh, unless you want to lose your job, you know you you toe the line, you do what you're told. There is no independent second opinion kind of stuff in the United States military. You do in matters like this, uh, you don't you don't question your orders. Uh, we're talking. We're talking to Tom Spore. He's a retired Army Lieutenant General and Director of the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. What is this likely? To, what kind of an effect will this have on morale, if any? Do you think? Hard to say. And so the biggest um, impact I will see is as as service members see people around them, and they aren't able to, to perform at the same level that they are. They either, they're gone a lot because of medical appointments or they're not bearing up under the strain because of the stresses already that they're facing from gender dysphoria. There's, it's going to inevitably spark some resentment, like, oh, I'm having to work this hard. I'm, at, I'm working these long hours. And this person is not. They're, they're getting over or they're not, they're not here when we need them to be. And it's making it harder on us. And that's the quickest way that a soldier or service member will uh, get upset if they're, if they're being treated unfairly. And I see a real possibility that that might occur. Do you remember the TV show MASH, Tom? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Remember the, <laughs> the character Klinger? Oh, yeah. We're there now, aren't we? Yeah. He I, was, I, I mean, I, he was trying I to get thrown out. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's the exact opposite of the situation now. Um, yeah, I worry about this situation, and I worry about the message this sends to the military that, the you know, the president's first real official act in regard to the United States military was not something about increasing their readiness or getting the military more money to counter China or something like that. Instead, no, it was uh, a move to you know, socially engineer the United States military uh, to somebody else's uh, desires, regardless of the evidence. Pretty pretty pathetic, but he uh, only doing what he promised. Tom, thanks a lot for coming on. I appreciate it. Pleasure, John. Thank you. Okay, Tom Spore, retired Army Lieutenant General, Director of the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. We'll be back. I think we can all agree that a lot went wrong in 2020. But you can start 2021 off right with a resolution to help protect your identity and personal info using LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. The sad truth is one in five people have been a victim of identity theft. But LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And they see more than you can when you just monitor your credit, like your info for sale on the dark web. And if there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Of course, 
No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that helps you protect what you've worked so hard for. Get 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. That's promo code SMART for up to 25% off at LifeLock.com. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. And even a brief history of late payments can lead to a big drop in your credit score. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. We'll work with your creditors, put a stop to late fees and other penalties, and make a plan that helps you get caught up. We'll also consolidate your bills into one easy-to-manage monthly payment and negotiate much lower interest rates. Not only will you find immediate relief, you'll save thousands. And don't worry, it's not a loan. It's a smart way to get back on track. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. Right now, no one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Hey, so I uh, just just after I finished the interview with Tom Spore there, I, I should have done this before. I just I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner, but I thought of uh, Klinger from MASH. And there's if you can you can uh, if you go on YouTube and just search MASH Klinger K L I N G E R, there's a 55 second um, clip on there of when Klinger, who's dressed like a woman introduces himself to Colonel Potter for the first time. And he walks in the door, he uh, has a dress on, and he's, he looks like he's dressed like a woman. And he says, uh, he salutes, and he says, Hi, I'm uh, Corporal Klinger. I, uh, I like to wear dresses. I play with dolls. And uh, my number one dream is to be uh, buried in my mother's wedding gown. He says, I should be out. And uh, Colonel Potter salutes him, and he says, horse hockey and then he tells him he's he's staying in the in the military so that must have been uh, one of the first episodes of mash it stayed on for a long time and who knew back then in the 60s when that show uh, uh debuted that 50 years later we would be um dealing with Cor- corporal klinger walking around uh, a man dressed as a woman and not only is it not uh, something that's going to get you tossed out of the military, but the military will do everything it can to accommodate you. That's uh, that's where that's where we are in 2021. Unbelievable. And uh, this guy's only been in office. It'll be a week tomorrow. Look, the, he's he's had like 30 executive orders, which is like six times more than anybody any other president has had in his first week. And every one of them is idiotic and also completely predictable what a what a what a time we're in for we'll come back and talk about it again tomorrow thanks for listening bye the john staggerwald show is a production of the answer pittsburgh and salem media group